0: You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks, Ahmed Munawar here. I am your host, and we're gonna talk about books today. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about writing a book for a very long time. In fact, I've started, but more on that to come later. In this interview, I'm talking to Julie Broad of Book Launchers. Julie helps experts and consultants and coaches, anybody that has a perspective to share with their market, package up their ideas and their expertise into a book. You know, they say the book is the best business card you'll ever have, right? It puts you on the map. It gives you notoriety in the industry. It gives you a focal point for conversations with prospects. It gets you on the speaking circuit, gets you on the podcast circuit. It opens doors, in other words. And for people like you and me, the book is not about earning money off the book. It's about the doors that are opened and the revenue opportunities that are created through the book. So I'm writing mine, and I'm going to be excited to share my journey and my process of writing my book with you on this show as we move forward. But for now, I want you to listen to this conversation with Julie Broad as we get into the details of why you need a book, why you might want a book, when the right timing would be to write the book, and how you might go about doing it and what it can do for your business. So if you've been thinking about writing a book that's kind of on your bucket list, you're going to want to listen into this conversation. Now, before we get to that... If you want to know the difference between a rich consultant and a poor consultant, I've got just the thing for you. I have boiled down the difference between rich and poor consultants, rich consultants being the ones who command premium fees, who work with the very best clients, who do incredibly valuable work and are compensated handsomely for that work, and poor consultants who struggle to get clients, struggle to do meaningful work, struggle to command premium fees, and struggle to really make ends meet in their consulting business. There are three things that separate the two. That's the good news. Only three things, not seven, not 10, not 20, just three things. And they're probably not the things that you're thinking of. It's not about having a massive network in the industry or having, you know, decades and decades of experience or having some God-given talent or jaw-dropping good looks that nobody else can match. It's not about any of those things. Each of these three things are things that you can absolutely develop and install in your business. But first, you need to know what they are. So if you're curious, you want to know what separates Rich consultants from poor consultants, go ahead and grab my free training at forecast.fm slash rich. It's a 30-minute on-demand video training you can watch at your convenience, and it'll walk you through what makes the difference between rich consultants and poor consultants. Again, that's forecast.fm slash rich. You can grab that training right there. With that, here is my conversation with Julie Broad. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: Listen, why don't you get us started by telling us your quick backstory?
1: <laughs> it's always hard to go quick. It's like, well, which part do I start with? But <laughs> I
0: don't Real, guess. I don't guests always scoff at that. Quick, what are you kidding me? Do you have all day? <laughs>
1: I know, but but the essential points is that my background is in real estate. I, I actually got an MBA in real estate and finance, and 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 was a real estate investor since 2001. Uh, and I started a real estate education and training company in 2008. And through that, I, I started to get you know over the years, I built a brand as a real estate investor across Canada. And publishers started to approach me, and I was you know pretty excited by this i thought great you know i can get a book deal i can write a book and you know expand my market and and i do i did actually and i still do enjoy writing so i thought this was great a uh, little bit by bit uh, i ended up working with wiley for a while Going back and forth, uh, and so at the point where we'd been going back and forth for a couple of months, I thought I was going to be getting a book deal. So I thought that was my next email from them was basically the terms and conditions of the deal. Uh, instead, they said that they didn't think I had a strong enough marketing platform to sell books. So they they actually just completely flat out rejected me. It wasn't anything to do with the book or anything. It was just, hey, we don't think you can sell books. So <laughs> they shut the door on that and uh, kind of left me with the option of self-publishing which I did after I think about a year and a half, I, I went down that road. Uh, but my favorite part of this story is that, you know, after them telling me I, I wasn't going to be able to sell books and me having to get over the fact that that made me feel like, you know, I, you know why bother writing a book if nobody's going to read it? Uh, and I did it anyway. And it went to number one overall on Amazon in Canada. It was, it was a hanging out with Dan Brown and ahead of the Game of Thrones series at the time. And, uh, and it stayed in the top 100 overall for print books on Amazon for 45 days. So <laughs> so it was—it was quite uh, satisfying to, you know, be rejected and then prove them completely wrong with a, a niche nonfiction uh, self-published book. So. Um, that led to a lot of people asking me questions. Even my friends that had book deals, uh, a lot of them were, you know, asking me for help with publishing. And so that's kind of, you know, what was going on on the side while I was still running our real estate uh, training and education company, and my husband and I were still growing our real estate portfolio at quite a, a rapid pace. On the side, I was still helping a ton of people with books. And when we kind of hit a point in our careers where we were going, hmm. What are we going to do now? Uh, you know, my husband was getting into acting, and that's really where his passion and his interest was. Uh, I didn't really want want to run our real estate training and education company when we weren't going to be active as real estate investors anymore. And that's kind of the pivotal point that led me to book launchers, which is where we are now.
0: Excellent, well, that's a great story. So, a couple of questions, Wiley. What when they said you didn't have enough of a marketing platform? What did they? Did they mean that you couldn't? You didn't have enough reach on your own to sell the books?
1: That was their opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, at the time I had uh ten thousand newsletter subscribers and I don't know, like five thousand Facebook followers or whatever it was. You know, so in their eyes, this was not a strong enough platform. Um, but they underestimated the power of my network. I had a very strong network, which was really what was the reason why my book went to number one and I sold thousands and thousands and thousands of copies in a very short period of time. It was my net my my contacts and my newsletter subscribers, my platform, if you will, it, it got me into the top 100, but it was my network that really pushed me over the edge. But Wiley didn't see value in that.
0: So I, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you built that, that network and that platform in that real estate education and training business.
1: Yeah, for sure. So it, I mean, really, it was it's a, it's a whole bunch of little steps. And I think that's ultimately where success always comes from is, is those little steps that you do every single day. Uh, and for me, it was a variety of things. I started writing for a lot of different publications, uh, you know, online and offline. Uh, and so that helped me develop relationships with, with, um, you know, media like Canadian real estate wealth magazine, which was a national real estate, uh, magazine. I also, uh, became friends with people that ran uh large real estate brokerage firms and one of them in particular is called Rockstar Real Estate in in Toronto and they they focus on working with real estate investors and they have a phenomenal network of you know I think they have 30,000 or more uh people who pay attention and listen and subscribe to their newsletters they have a lot of paid members etc so those kind of relationships built over time you know it was never one thing that I did but I was consistently attending events I was consistently reaching out to people to say, Hey, can I support you? You know, can I offer you some great content? Can I do this? Um, you know, and even just reaching out to people to, to try to meet them, uh, and always trying to see, okay, who should I meet next and figuring that out. Uh, I did a lot of travel, and I invested in a lot of courses and mastermind events and things to make those kind of connections. And it was never one, like, there's no easy button. <laughs> I know Staple sells one, but it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've tried it. I, I returned it, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of little things. But it was, you know, over the course of five years, I built a very strong network of people that um, you know, I had asked very little of and I had done a lot to support. And, and also, I wrote a really great book for their audiences. Um, you know, that's the other thing is, is, you know, even if I had great friends, if my book sucked, and they weren't going to look good sharing it, they weren't going to, you know, they would do minimal to support it, you know.
0: <laughs> so, so, so when you say your network, it sounds like what you're saying is your your network of complimentary institutions and organizations who could help you promote the book. Is that is that what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, the best way to describe it is people that have the same ideal reader or ideal customer as me, but don't compete directly with me. So as a real estate investor, and at the time I was coaching uh, new or kind of mid-level real estate investors... My my competitors were obviously other people who sold uh, courses and training, but complementary was real estate brokers, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, lawyers, and magazines that were focused on this, like blogs and any kind of media outlet that also talked to real estate investors, podcasts, those kind of things. Uh, Additionally, real estate uh, clubs and associations, I had spent a lot of time and money traveling across Canada speaking at a lot of different clubs. And, you know, because I had invested in those clubs, you know, they were, you know, big supporters of me and my
0: book when it came out, too. Okay, excellent. And so, so tell me the story of when you decided to write a book for that business. How did that come about?
1: The shortest answer I can give you is to say that I felt that there was a lot of get-rich-quick, really everybody was talking about how to make money in real estate, and I felt there was a big component of that message missing, which was you might not even want to invest in real estate if you truly understand the risks. And the challenges that you're up against. And for a lot of people, I don't think real estate's the right choice. Because there's tenant problems. There's property manager problems. You know, houses fall apart. You know, things go wrong. And it can be incredibly stressful for some people. And if you do the wrong deals because you get focused on, okay, this is going to make me the quickest amount of cash, uh, you can end up with really, really big problems. So I knew that there needed to be kind of a warning message, if you will. The, I called it the real risks and rewards of real estate investing was the subtitle of my book. My book was called More Than Cash Flow. And uh and so that was really the driving reason behind my book. It wasn't I didn't have a business goal in mind for it. I had a this needs to be told. Like there's too many people making bad decisions and I wanted to help even just one.
0: Got it. So you, so you essentially were targeting people that were thinking about getting into real estate but weren't really sure if it was for them. That was your audience.
1: Yeah, or people who had done a couple deals and were were wondering what like what should they do next or should they even keep doing this?
0: Okay, interesting. So, so let, let's jump in now to what this means for for our listeners and and everybody else. If you're a business owner and you know you're you're an expert, you're a thought leader, you're good at what you do, you have clients, uh, make the case for us as to why a book is a value. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, so I didn't even know the benefit, like the true benefits. I just really had this thing that I wanted to write a book. Um, but after my book, I was, uh, media was like, I couldn't, I started saying no to media interviews because uh, first of all, they all want to be first thing in the morning. So I had to get up at 4:30 in the morning and be coherent at 6am, which was pretty gross. But <laughs> for some reason, the afternoon shows never invited me on, but the media before I had my book, I couldn't get any real media attention other than magazines that I was writing for. Um, after the book, I had tons and tons of media interviews because I had a book And I had a book that people were talking about, um, even production shows, you know, some of these kind of fix and flip type, uh, shows that are out there. I had, Three different companies talking to me about putting together a show. None of them were the right fit for either us or for the company. Um, but that happened as a result of the book, uh, paid speaking engagement started happening. So before that, I was footing the bill to fly all over the place to, to speak anywhere to grow my company. Uh, once I had the book, people were starting to put the bill for that and pay me to be there. I also was able to negotiate a lot of cool deals. So my favorite deal was using the book, uh, Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine, which I had mentioned I was writing for at the time. I was chatting with, with somebody on their marketing uh, team and they said, yeah, we're looking, for, we're looking for something to give to our subscribers as a, as a way to get them to subscribe for two years or more. And, and, and I said, well, what about a physical book? And so they said, yep, that'd be great. We've done that before. So I gave them 500 copies of my book, which cost me $2,375. And in exchange, they gave me six months of one third page ads in their magazine. And they gave me a booth at five of their different national events. And that alone is about 20, I don't know, $28,000 worth of marketing, which I used to promote my business. I didn't use it to promote my book. And then they also, for six months, they, in every little magazine or insert, you know, when you open the magazine and those little cards fall out, my book was on that. All the banners that they produced, that they did, um, that they used whenever they had events and they, they attended a lot of events to promote their magazine, my book was featured on that. So that's advertising you can't even pay for. For my book, which led to a lot of people knowing about me so that I started getting more and more speaking engagement. So it was just kind of this snowball effect of things that happened and really built a very strong brand for myself uh, and sold a lot of books and, and filled our masterminds and our workshops really quickly. That was kind of about six months after the book came out. Is Everything was filling with ease. Like we used to kind of struggle like last minute trying to get more people in the door so we could fill our courses. And after that, you know, we were filling up a month or two months in advance of anything launching.
0: So I I definitely want to get into like the nitty gritty details of how to position the book and choose a topic and how to write it. But but before we get into that, I want to hear more about. How are all these people finding out about your book? You know, media appearances, television networks. I mean, lots of people publish books on Amazon. How do they find out about yours and call you?
1: Well, there's no one thing. And that's kind of the challenge, which I think a lot of people um, (laughs) don't realize is they think they get their book on Amazon and they're done. And there's a whole bunch of things that are going on. One of them is, you know, and I think one thing I will mention is a lot of people get overwhelmed trying to think about how their book will stand out on Amazon. It's not about standing out amongst all the books. It's about, amongst stand, it's about standing out amongst the, the niche that you're in, that category, the keywords, those kind of things. So you have to really know who you're writing your book for and why and what makes you unique. It's just like business, right? What makes you unique? What's going to make you stand out? And really figuring that piece out. That's really important because if you don't have a great hook and there's not something that's making this unique, then it's really hard to create that that need that somebody has of I have to read what's in your book right now. So that's the that's the first part. And and that's a piece I find a lot of people miss is they write a book and it's a good book, but it doesn't have that juicy hook. It doesn't have that sense of urgency that makes somebody go, I have to read this right now. You know, I have four other books on my nightstand already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read yours. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing. Is knowing where to find those people. So you've carefully thought about, uh, you know, and again, this, you know, the book is about you and your experience, but it's not, it's not for you, right? This is for someone else, and people aren't really interested in you. They're interested in what they can learn from you. And as long as you're clear on that, and you're clear on who those people are, who that ideal reader, that ideal customer is, then you go out and you figure out where they are. And that's why I said, you know, figuring out who has the same audience as you without being a direct competitor. Those are great people to put your book in front of. And those are also, so we have a client at Book Launchers right now, she's writing a fitness and health book. And, uh, and so she's mentioned a couple different programs and a couple pieces of fitness equipment in her book. So one of the things that we're working on to help her when she's done her book is we're going to contact some of those companies and say, hey, listen, you know, she's mentioned your book in here. And maybe they might want to buy copies of her book to give to all of their clients that buy, you know, they might run a promotion kind of like the magazine did. So but they might buy her book to do that. Uh, Or we might be able to strike some other arrangement. So it's lots of little things like that that you never know which thing is going to sell. The one thing I'll tell you is the two things that actually don't sell books uh our book signings and tv interviews. <laughs> I measured it very very carefully and book signings are atrocious. They they look great. It was the, probably the most popular picture I put on Facebook in about 18 months was the picture of me in in a big in Toronto's downtown uh, Chapters Indigo, you know, the one on Bloor Street. Um but the book signing I did there, people were like, woo, that's awesome. Like, way to go. But the truth is I sold three books <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and most people came in. Oh, and the three books all sold to my one friend who I went to school with. So he came out to see me and bought three books. <laughs> <laughs> most people at the book signings ask you where the cookbooks are, where Starbucks is, or where the bathrooms are. <laughs> they don't care about your book. Oh. <laughs> um, And TV media interviews are kind of the same thing, although I think that they offer tremendous credibility for you to be able to say and to show that you were on all these shows, I think gives you credibility. Uh, But in terms of actual book sales, there was no lift. At all uh for any of the tv you know whether i was on ctv or global or like in a big show in vancouver or a little show in saskatoon it didn't matter there was no lift um, but radio did have a lift and uh, newspaper i had an article in the vancouver sun that got syndicated across the country and that did provide a big sales lift in books
0: so i want to dive a little bit more into into positioning right so sure. you, you know you you defined a topic for your real estate book that clearly stood out in your niche got people's attention had a strong hook what's your best advice for folks on how to position their book in you know in in what might be a crowded niche
1: yeah i mean one of the things we do at book is everybody works with a writing coach who he's he's brilliant at this the one in particular that that we have on our team um he took a computer software book that he wrote and he turned it into a seven-year running TV series that he wrote and starred in. And so he's really good at kind of identifying like what makes something unique and special and interesting and engaging. And, and so that's kind of where we start is it's hard to do it on your own. I, so whether you were to work with us or to work with someone else, I highly recommend you have somebody that's helping you figure out what makes you unique because it's sometimes hard to spot. And then the second thing is that we're kind of, you know, so one, the first part is to have somebody to kind of bounce ideas off and to even have them kind of look at what you're doing. The other thing is again knowing your market, knowing your industry, knowing your niche. The reason I knew my book was was really you know that first book that I wrote uh, was going to stand out was because I'd read probably every real estate book that was in the top fifty in the previous you know five or six years. So I knew the market really really well. It was easy to spot. And I think the more expertise you have, and the more uh, the more you've really taken a deep dive into what people in your industry are saying, what they know, how they're running their businesses, how they're helping their clients, I think it's much easier to identify that little area where you have expertise that that you can say, hey, this is what makes me unique. And, And there's two parts to it. One is what makes you the person to be telling this story. Like, what's that unique hook that you have as a person? And so that's defining yourself to position it. And then the other thing is that that message, like what is that unique message that you're hanging your book on? But it's hard to say, like, step one is to do this. Step two is to do this. But I think, you know, having that deep expertise and also having somebody who isn't as deep into it with you help you kind of spot what makes you unique and interesting and what makes your book idea unique and interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds to me like just good old fashioned positioning advice. If, if you're positioned well as a professional, as a consultant, service provider, as a firm, then there, there's going to be an angle for your book because there's an angle for your business. So it sounds to me like the book is an extension of your core positioning strategy.
1: Absolutely. It's exactly what I would recommend people do. And when you deviate from that and, and try to write something totally different that's not in your niche, I think that's when a lot of people find their book is just lingering out there because it's not, they, you know, they don't have that piece that they've worked so hard to build for their business.
0: Yeah, I know that that makes perfect sense. Now, now, how much of a role does uh, Amazon research play here? Like how much should you be looking at keywords and, and that kind of thing within the Amazon platform?
1: It depends. It depends on, I mean, it is, it is important, but I think more important is that you, you build momentum for your book and you get it in front of the right people. Because Amazon's going to figure out a lot of the algorithms. If, if the right people are buying your book, then Amazon's going to know exactly who to show your book to. So a lot of it will solve, solve itself if you've done a lot of work to drive the right people to buy your book. And why I say the right people because it's so important, is there's a lot of companies out there that will promise you bestseller status on Amazon. And it's a gimmick and a game. And yes, they'll get you to a bestseller in some sub 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 category. But the problem with it is, is they're going to be doing it, you, know, you might go into a group or a weekend event where everybody in the room agrees to buy each other's book, um, they show you how to choose a category that has lower sales, so that you can rank in that category, and and everybody buys each other's book. The problem with this, and I have a friend, well, a colleague more, who did this 18 months ago, um, and he, you know, he his book got he got that little orange ribbon that says number one bestseller in his category. But the problem is now he's not selling books on Amazon because Amazon's showing his book to people who uh, are looking for cures for cancer, relationship advice. And I'm trying to remember the other one, like Law of Attraction for Business. His book is a personal finance book, so it's messed the algorithms up big time. So all the research in the world won't save him because he's taught Amazon to sell to show the book to the wrong people. So if you like again, if you find those people who have the same audience as you, you get them to promote your book. You're promoting it to your reader, you know, your clients, and the people who you've already connected with, and they like to hear what you have to say. Uh, Amazon will show your book to a lot of people, and a lot of the problems will solve itself. That's not to say I wouldn't recommend category research and keyword research. It's it's helpful, but I think a lot of things will fix itself if you do the right things to launch your book.
0: Yeah, so, so write the book for the right people and not for Amazon, and good things happen, essentially.
1: Really? Yeah. That's a great way to summarize my very long diatribe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. no, no, I mean, the long diatribe was useful, but (laughs) yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So tell me this. I've got my book uh, topic nailed down. I've got a hook. I think I've got something that's going to stand out in the niche. Um, But hey, you know, I work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week (laughs) servicing clients. Mm -hmm. I've got an active business. If I'm even considering doing this, then I'm probably successful. Uh, How am I going to get this done? Yeah. So there's,
1: there's kind of two different approaches. So one approach, our clients, we have some clients who are just, they treat their book like they would their business. You know, they're the complete CEO of their book, which means they drive the vision. They, you know, they provide some of the content, but they actually don't do any of the work. Um, and so there you know I have one client he put it to me very nicely he said he said I have the expertise he says but I'm not the best person to put the words to it so for those clients we have ghostwriters and we have go- I have a package that I call the ghostwriting assist so the ghostwriting assist is where somebody would have some existing content say they've been shooting videos or doing podcasts and they can get them transcribed or they've even done a lot of blog posts you've got some existing content so our writer can use that and interview you to fill in the gaps and do the writing for you so that's one really popular way for the really busy person who knows the value of just saying, hey, I'm the CEO of this book. I'm driving the bus, but I'm not going to be the one that does all the heavy lifting. Somebody else is going to do it. Um, There's also the other camp of people who really do want to write their book. Um, and and I, I love working with these people because they, they get tremendous benefits from writing their book. You know, they get to get more clarity in their message. They can really define their business in a lot of ways. You know, you start, that's where you create a lot of those acronyms and those kind of trademarkable things when you work on a book a lot of times. Uh, and so there's a lot of benefits, but it's hard work. Uh, the, the secret that we have, or that not even that we have, it's, it's, it's widely known, but underutilized, is creating a great outline. And this outline is your roadmap and it makes everything better. And I can say this with with enthusiasm because for my first two books, I didn't write with an outline. I had ideas, I had some content, but I didn't have a great outline. On My third book that I'm working on right now, and I'm busy, I don't have a lot of time to work on it. um, I have an outline and sometimes I only have 20 minutes to sit down and write. And because I have this great outline, I can hammer out quite a bit of content in 20 to 30 minutes uh, because I have a clear plan. I'm not sitting down going, hmm, what am I going to write about right now? And it takes me 30 minutes to ramp up. So getting that really clearly defined outline, and that means that you can't have a chapter title that's amortization, right? A lot of people will, you know, their outline is kind of boring and it goes amortization and then um, finding a realtor. And it's those kind of things, which A, wouldn't sell a book. Um, it's not interesting or unique, but B, it doesn't give you anything to really write from. So you have to dig a little deeper and create some subheadings and, and chapter headings that, that get you excited and able to write easily.
0: And what kind of – if I'm going to do this on my own, let's assume, and you know, I, I do the outline and I've got a writing process, what kind of timeline am I looking for to, to get a draft done?
1: It depends how much time you put into it and how fast you are with writing. It re- like it's it's everybody always asks how long until my book's done and it's impossible for me to say um i can tell you my timelines and some of our clients timelines but you never know because everybody spends five hours differently right like i might say i worked on it for five hours but i also was kind of surf- surfing the internet doing some research and doing other things in between so it wasn't a real five hours where somebody else dives in um typical timelines are around six months from start to finish and that assumes you have an idea um and you might have an outline but you might not have all the pieces in there. If you've done all the research, you have a great outline and you're ready to dedicate about 5 hours a week to it, you should be able to hammer out a, you know, a 50 to 70,000 word manuscript in about 3 months.
0: Okay, so that's that's a lot of words. Like is that is that what you target 50 to 70,000?
1: Yeah, because you want to have a spine on your book. Um, you can fill in a lot of things with white space if you get, you know, as long as you hit about 40, 30 to 40,000 words, Uh, you can space it out a lot and hit a spine but you do want to have I mean first of all you kind of need a spine to get it uh, to get into some of these good publishing options that are out there but also if somebody buys your book and puts it on their bookshelf you want it to be able to stand out so I prefer to have that 50 to 70,000 word book so it actually has you can actually put text on that spine and people can see it on their shelf.
0: So tell me this, and this, this is going to be my last question, and then I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to close off with any parting thoughts. But I, I think it's fair to say everybody shouldn't write a book. Um, that would be a bad idea for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Uh, in, in your estimation, how can, can I assess as, as a listener whether or not writing a book would make sense for me now?
1: So There's a few pieces to this. One is that you are at a place in your business where you know that you, sh- you could be, you should be reaching more people. More people should be paying attention to you. For example, you're, maybe you're not getting the kind of media exposure you want. Maybe you're not charging what you want to be or you know you should be charging for consulting fees or coaching or, or whatever you're doing when you're at that point. so You've been in it for a while at least a few years you've kind of reached that point where you're ready to grow you know you could grow that's part of it because that that's a great place to a book can really catapult you in a big way from that kind of position um that's one person the other person's somebody who has been in something and they want to transition you can use the book as a bridge and so those are kind of really good business reasons to write a book so you've got that piece the other piece is um, besides the commitment. So you know that piece hopefully gets you excited enough that you're going to have the commitment to doing it. The other piece is that message. So knowing that you have a message that can help people and and ideally, being okay with that being part of what happens, right? know that it, you you're writing this book to grow your business, to get more and more exposure to become that known expert and to really move into a new echelon of, of people and interactions and even earning. Um, but also just knowing that some people are only going to read your book, um, but but that they're going to get tremendous value from that book. And that means you've got a great message, you've got some processes, you've got some lessons and tips that, you, that you've built that you can share that will benefit anybody. And when you have that combination, that's a really powerful combination for a book. And you can figure out a lot of the other pieces to make it highly marketable and make, make it stand out um, from there.
0: So let me ask you this question. I think a lot of people are probably worried about sales for, from, for, from the book and not yeah. from, not from the perspective of revenue. Cause I think at least my listeners, if they're listening to this, the, the book is not about the revenue from the book. It's more about the, the credibility and the authority and the other opportunities that, that stem from the book, like you talked about earlier, does it, is it, you know, even if nobody buys the book, right, <laughs> this is obviously worst case. We want people to buy the book, but even if, you know, sales of the book are lackluster, uh, is there still a case to do it just for the authority and the credibility?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, however, if you've done a great book and you've positioned it well and you have a launch plan, you're going to have better than lackluster sales. And again, you know, one of the things that we're always focused on is figuring out what that end goal is and who it needs to get in front of. And so maybe you only sell a thousand copies, but it's a thousand copies to the precisely right people. You know, that's tremendous marketing for your company. And you can easily 10X your book investment if you get a great message in front of a thousand people that are your ideal reader, aka your ideal customer. So and a thousand sales isn't that difficult if you start breaking down how to get a thousand book sales. Um, you know, hitting number one overall on Amazon was was almost a fluke. You know, it's one of those things where it I I don't think I could repeat it, maybe, maybe someday. But it's, you know, it's difficult. But at the same time, the if I wouldn't have got that, but just the benefits from my business that I got, you know, from getting my my book into the hands of people who were the perfect fit to work with me in my coaching business, um, and it even raised money for our real estate business, too, because it built that much credibility. uh, You know, that's that would have been more than worth it, like 10 times over, I'd do it again.
0: So I know I said last question, two questions ago, but, but this time I, I really mean it. <laughs> uh, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about pricing. I know there's sure. a big range here. You got people who are selling books on Amazon for, I don't know, as low as a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. And you have people that are selling self-published books that are you know, kind of technical in nature for as much as 50, 60 bucks and, and above. Um, how do you make that, that pricing decision?
1: I, it's, I just posted three different videos on, on our booklaunchers.tv, our, our, YouTube, our YouTube channel about this. So there's, there's a couple approaches. One is that I would never sell my book too cheap. So the, the 99 cent, even the 2.99, I wouldn't sell my book down there because there's a few reasons. One is I've put like thousands of hours, if not more, of expertise into this book that is ultimately going to save people money or help them make money or save them pain, you know that there's value, tremendous value in that book. So I'm not going to price it super cheap because it devalues what I'm putting into it. The other thing is, uh, in order for it to work for these some of these big deal opportunities, like for example, my Canadian real estate wealth, uh, that uh, example that I shared. You can't have a book too cheap because then it will have no value for people to give away to their customers or to use as incentives for things. So in that case, I think my book was $22 on Amazon at that time and 24 in chapters. So it had real true value. And if your book is too cheap, you can't strike those kind of deals because it doesn't have that kind of value. Um, so there's lots of things there. Pricing-wise, uh, the video is probably the best thing to do. I actually walk you through how we do pricing research. And there's, it's one part art, one point part science. Figure out who you're competing with figure out a range where those those they kind of those books average out and then decide based on your own strategies you know a plus or minus a couple of dollars. but typically you're gonna find ebooks around 999 in the nonfiction space are pretty solid with a print book you know around 14.99 is pretty good pricing but it does depend.
0: Got it. Uh, Julie this has been really really helpful. Anything that you want to mention that we haven't covered here that you think is important?
1: I think we covered a ton of different things. The, the big thing I think for people to really understand is you don't have to be a writer to write a great book. There's tons of ways to do it. Uh, we have clients that are speaking it. Like I said, we have people who are the CEO of their book and they're having someone else Uh, Really put their content together and interview them to fill in the gaps. And then we have people who are in fact writing their own books, uh, you know, with our support. But if you if you know a book will benefit you, uh, I think you should write one. It's there's massive benefits and it's something you'll never regret. You know, I think people will regret not writing the books that they have that they keep thinking, oh, I should write a book. Uh, I think they'll regret that, but they won't regret actually diving in and doing it. So if you want help, we would love to help you at booklaunchers.com.
0: Excellent. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. This has been great.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun.
0: Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge, and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com, and you can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.